0: Episode 50 of the Metrofan TV Rundown coming to you live for the first time in a while after we bless the rains down in Africa. And by Africa, I mean Harrison, New Jersey. It's Lenz and Juan only here this morning evening because Fernando has been called away the parts unknown once more. When will he return? It's anybody's guess. But in the meantime... Juan Escalante, how are you today, sir?
1: I bless the rains down in Harrison. <laughs> it's gonna take some time before we get through this rain delay. Actually, <laughs> on second thought, go all, y'all, y'all go home. I'm okay, Lance. How are you? Uh, it's
0: it's good that you, it's good that you survived that uh, biblical flood that hit northern New Jersey um, a couple of weeks ago because of a hurricane. Haunt, oh, hurricane, only as we say um how about that though hurricane hurricane named after Thierry Andre causes a rain delay in the Hudson River derby because oh, they yeah. turned Harrison into a river as well i mean the the metaphors man i'm telling you the visual metaphor
1: game is off the goddamn chart next one on the way i didn't they're not putting them in, in alphabetical order so the next one is hurricane anelka and like oh no <laughs> Oh yeah, that one's really gonna dump a lot of rain. That one's really gonna yeah. dump a lot of rain on you, huh?
0: <laughs> like, I think I, I think the worst player that a hurricane could possibly be named after, though, would probably be, I don't know, like, um,
1: I was you gonna say of like of like problematic French soccer players, and maybe like Hurricane Benzema. You've got Hurricane <laughs> Ribery. Hurricane Dominic would just be Hurricane, Do- yeah. Hur- Hurricane Dominic would send all the Virgos into the river. Like all, right. all,
0: all, all the people who drown would only be Virgos, <laughs> right? But I was, go- I was gonna say, like I think I was trying to imagine, like what Hurricane Paulo, like as in Paulo de Canio, would look like.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: And uh, <laughs> well, let's just say uh, <laughs> there are some things that are better left under the uh, better left as bits on a podcast. Yes. That nobody listens to, folks. That's not well, well, it's not well listened to existence. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's recap uh, everything that's happened since uh, we last had a meltdown on this episode. Um. Also, congratulations to us for finally hitting a half century of podcast episodes after like three years. <laughs> uh, that's what a lot of hiatuses would do to you, folks. So, uh, um. Yeah, I didn't actually think we'd make it this far. And now that we've made it this far, I don't actually know where to go or what to do. So let's just babble like a bunch of idiots, like we usually. Yeah, get. you
1: know, it's it's uh it's called Metrofan TV, but it is a podcast because of what is content is all kinds of things now. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it, you, it's you can it, watch TV on your phone. You can watch TV on your computer. Uh, this is this is also TV. We could upload this to YouTube, and it's TV. Yeah, it's it's it's
0: TV in audio form. Like you you, you don't watch television. You also have to hear the show to know what's going on, right? So in a way, the audio is the most important part of television. Um That being said, uh let's see. We last left off, I think, before the game against Columbus crew. Uh we welcomed the return of uh one king, a certain Bradley Wright Phillips, I think. Uh, and this was the first win the team pulled out in, I think it was at least seven, seven or eight games, right? I think we'd gone without a win before then, if I'm not mistaken. That seems to be the number that sticks out in my head. Um, yeah, um, basically a quick recap, because it's been a while since then. Um, we lined up, I think, in a 3-5-2 formation. Yep. Uh, we basically John Tolkien scored his first MLS goal. That was a very, uh, pretty solid performance in midfield, I think. And of course, uh, the Carlos Coronel, uh, redemption. I wouldn't even really say redemption at this point. The Carl, the Carlos Coronel hype train ramped up into the gear, right? An absolutely fantastic performance from, uh, our shot stopper, right? In order to mm-hmm. seal three points at home, and uh, you know, as a proud member of the uh, goalkeepers union, uh, anytime uh, the anytime Twitter uh, re- revels in a good goalkeeping performance is a great occasion for us. But also, I think uh, in a way, it's a, it's it's a bit of a paradox, right? Because it usually means that uh, <laughs> the team probably got themselves in a bit of sticky situations um, that required some goalkeeping keeping heroics to come away with some points. So, um, probably say the defense is still a bit of a work in progress, right? I think, especially as guys are starting to come back and, uh, gain fitness and some of their defensive reinforcements are hopefully, uh, on their way to be selected soon. Uh, on that note, Lucas Monzone spotted at the airport heading off to the United States today. So, uh, we know that help is on the way for sure. uh, and I think that's sort of like one of the interesting things that kinda of came out of this game, right? Is that it seems to be that Gerhard Struber has decided to deploy an old trick, another one of his old tricks in the 352, right, to try and stop this slide. Um And basically I think what this does, right, is to is to mitigate the amount of coverage, I think the uh, midfielders especially have to do, right? And being able to push up two centre-backs to compress a f- compress a centre at the field even more. And, uh, yeah, and basically, yeah, I mean, basically reduce the amount of space between the diamond and midfield, which had kind of been spluttering recently, partially due to the fact that I think, uh, you know, I think fatigue is starting to set in some of our um, midfielders. Right? Not going to basically be able to cover the same amount of ground as they maybe would through this really tough summer window game to game and just you know pushing a few extra bodies into the center of the field like basically allows them to stay compact in the middle without requiring too much um, de- without demanding too much from the mi- from from the midfield. I think that's what it basically boils down to um any any observations on your end i suppose for this just a handful like
1: three like we played we played three center backs we played three actual center backs not even uh two center backs and a converted uh fullback in that position who knows what we would have done had um tom edwards not been suspended due to yellow card accumulation i believe that's why he wasn't playing in this game um an interesting wrinkle. I thought part of me thought that we were playing three center backs because uh, Columbus lined up in a four four two, and sort of there's like that sort of like tactical principle of like having one more center back than the other team has um, strikers. And then once Zardas came off injured, I was concerned that Gerhard was going to like uh, go to go to a four man back line, uh, which he didn't. Which I but I was originally confused by because the wrinkle was that Reyes only played half the game. Reyes was back. He only played half the game and was sort of replaced in that spot with Andrew Goodman. And so um, John Tolkien slid out to the left wing back spot again. Um, but I don't I don't think we, were, we weren't we were because going into the game against New York City FC, we weren't going to play that formation. We had a four-man back line there. So that's interesting of what um, Struber's sorts of ideas about having the back line is if, if it was reactive to how the opponent would line up or if that's just how um, we want to play it, but it's good to just have this sort of tactical flexibility. I know that that's something we did a lot with Jesse when we played with three men in his back line. Um, I think you mentioned John Tolkien. Like it's the question was like when we play with a left back, uh, if, if Gutman was healthy, um, does John Tolkien still play? And it sounds like, yes, he does still play but plays in midfield which we have seen him do at the RB2 level. Yeah. Um and he
0: has played really well at US. And he has
1: played really game. well. It's just yeah. like it's with with him it just feels like he's just a good soccer player. Like it's not even just like of just like just cuz he's left-footed, but like he's just a very smart player. He he's very confident, he's very calm on the ball. He you know he has really great delivery. So having him in those spots just like you put him in the best position to succeed, you know. It's it's similar like Of where you think about like putting Sean Davis, but also like where Tyler Adams was kind of playing. Um, But with Tolkien, it's like the opposite of Tyler Adams, where it's like he's uh, we don't know where exactly like the whole hype train about Tyler Adams playing as a right back. But uh, just because you can doesn't mean you should.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, you could definitely tell that because of his uh, attributes, I think that Ty was much definitely always best suited to be like a midfield a midfield yeah. destroyer type, you know, like a like a very modern advanced destroyer in some roles, you know, I think in, in some ways. Um, whereas I think, you know, I think the deal with John Tolkien at this age, especially, is that, you know, it just really stands out. You know, this is a guy who understands space, right? Yeah. In midfield. And basically what that means is, is that he's always putting himself in a position to receive a pass, move it along and then move into the spaces that open up as he helps to distribute the ball and that's how he advances the ball right you saw that a lot in USL the way he'd like spread the play and and push up the field right once he's mm-hmm. once he's moved it on you saw it you saw it as well here right against Columbus very much in the goal that he uh, started the chain off of right won the ball back in uh, his uh in his uh in his defensive third right on the sideline mm-hmm. won that back pushed that up and then that started a whole chain that ended up with him uh, moving into uh half space, I think on the left-hand channel to mm-hmm. receive a through ball from Fabio yeah. before cutting inside and finishing it off with his right foot. And, you know, and that's sort of like the dinette, this, uh, this end to end play, right. Is really indicative of a guy who understands movement, right. And how to pass and move, right. And keep, how to pass a move and keep the ball going towards the opponent's goal, right? In a mm-hmm. very direct act, vertical manner. And that's where we kind of emphasize, right? Verticality is not always about playing the long ball. It's mm-hmm. about playing the ball up the field as quickly as possible. It's not always necessarily going to be lumping it up to like one of the two target strikers and then trying to play off of a knockoff. No, in fact, the goal against Columbus was kind of like the opposite, right? It was a very quick flowing counterattack that involved quite a number of quick interchanges that resulted in the ball being moved down the field in a very quick fashion. Just because of uh, the way that guys were passing and moving into space along the way. Like, I think throughout the entirety of that move, uh, very little, like maybe three or four touch um, possessions per player. Yeah. Right? And it was basically one or two p- touches, go. For and, you know, I think that's what I really like about John Tolkien's game. You know, I mean, uh, he doesn't really do anything um, flashy, I would say, mm-hmm. but he definitely makes all the right decisions. Right, and that's very much something that has a lot of applicability to a lot of uh, positions, Um, and also I think again, you know, it helps with the flexibility of the squad, right? You do have someone who can step in at the base of the diamond, maybe spell Sean Davis for a bit, and also just some, and and also in a way, I think he does kind of, you know, uh, add something different to Sean Davis at that position, right? I mean, we are high on. Sean Davis, as we all know on this podcast, but you know, I, I think Sean's definitely more of like a safety valve and a facilitator whereas Tolkien can actually kind of drive the ball right forward with his uh with his passing and movement from that position. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of been something that's been sorely lacking in the midfield, I think, over the past few yeah. games.
1: Yeah, the yeah. sort of um those sorts of runs into space. And I know and like you think about how when we talk about earlier in the season of how important that is to like the style of play that Struber wants to, wants to have this team doing. Um, I noticed like there were multiple times, at least in the first half where the ball would come in from the wing back. Uh, he would sort of fizz the ball inside. And then whoever would be inside, it would be one of the strikers or usually attacking midfielder would like um, would, ju- would hit the ball one time, like that wall pass into the path of a third man run from one of the, from one of the shuttlers. And that's exactly what happened on this goal. And it had, and it's just like, um, yeah, Columbus didn't, didn't really handle that all that well. And luckily it came off on the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, what was funny is like, I'm watching all these like one touch plays and I'm like, Oh, and part of in my brain, I'm like, where does this look familiar? And it was literally like all of like the goal scoring highlights from Barnsley. I'm like, Oh, there were tons of goals that were like that. Yeah, of just like one, two passes. And then like, though, there's a third man run from deep inside getting on the end of the ball and hitting yeah. it to goal.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, there the was a really good point like raised recently, right? Where I think that's sort of been the difference between us and Struber's Barnsley, right? Is the movement in the attacking third, which has been kind of missing because the midfield's not really doing their part and pushing up and giving the strikers options. Right. And I think that was a really good piece that was written recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this, this was either Justin Souza or Ross Haley's piece of Once a Metro, but I think this kind of touched upon the general feeling that I had, and I think some other people had, right? That it's not really the forwards that are kind of uh, responsible for this malaise. It's actually really the midfield that's kind of been the, uh, the weak link in this squad, right? Because I think you go back and review the video, Fabio is winning quite a number of deals. Uh, Klimala is kind of but but when Fabio wins the deals, the only other option that he has on top of him more often than not is Patrick Klamala. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you're basically going two versus a whole back line in a vertical style of play, like that's a it's a really hard position to work from. Right. And right? so I think um one of the things that been underdiagnosed in a way was the fact that, you know, our midfielders are Car- Carmona, Clark, Caceres uh etc etc drew your word yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. hadn't really been pushing up forward to give options right to overwhelm that back line and now I think um, this is where we mentioned the defensive um the defensive you know shuff, the, the shortage at center back, right, as possibly being a factor in this, because our midfielders are being a bit cautious about the fact that we have a pretty makeshift back line. But now that we have healthy center backs back, right, I think one thing that we should definitely be trying to see more of is to have our midfielders lend themselves more, um, lend themselves more freedom to take on those kinds of risks, right? Push forward into channels and start to overwhelm the back line in sheer numbers through the center of the field, right? Give the strikers something, an outlet to basically play into, right? Because we know this. Fabio wins deals at an extraordinary rate, right? But he's got no one to work with once he wins the ball in the attacking third, you know? And I think that kind of negates the whole point of like two target strikers if we don't have anybody running off of them, right? One option can only do so much, right? And because that can be easily covered by the opposition. If there's only one other guy that you're aware of that should be um, marked. And where we have the midfield contributions come in is because then it also opens up space for Klimala to run into, you know, as well, right? Mm-hmm. People think will look at him and be like wondering, like, why isn't he like shooting more? Why he's been a bit disappointed as a DP? I mean, like, I think this is another thing that we see. I mean, like, he has all these off the shoulder runs that just aren't really being. Um, capitalized on right because he's the only other threat really at any given time and most defenses would know how to i mean most defenses at professional level will definitely be able to like (laughs) snuff out attacks if they have some kind of numerical advantage you know that's just that's just the reality of the situation so if we push up the midfielders and that opens up more space just by simply drawing more defenders attention away right for him to run into, you know, I mean, I, I would certainly think that that's when you start to see him, like, start firing more, right? Because then he's going to be finding more space for him to run into and get himself into positions that he likes to shoot in, you know? So I think it had, it does have a knock-on effect. So hopefully, you know, now that we have a full retinue of healthy centre-backs, we will start to start to see more of that cohesion come back, you know? Because I think, um, yeah, I mean, I certainly... I think that that's sort of been one of the things that been been um, plaguing this team that had been missing and we saw a little bit of in Columbus. We didn't really get to see much of uh, it after that because, you know, I think the City game got rained out. But, you know, I think, um, yeah, that's basically what I hope to see going forward, some of that midfield play coming back.
1: Yeah, that's a good point about... Uh the midfield contributions in a three man back line. Cause it's like, typically when you think about playing three center backs is that's it's usually to give um, uh, your wing backs, what would normally be your fullbacks more room to put them higher up the field to get them <laughs> higher up without worrying about covering uh, the space that they leave behind them. Um, but no, our midfield is built to make those runs. It should be. Uh, and it's like, Tolkien is, I think one of the only guys who can sort of, not that he can do that, but it's like we've been seeing the other midfielders that we have, and they just haven't been doing that. And then um, of the guys that we have that aren't doing that, you, I can think of really like Drew Yearwood, who actually does make those runs inside. Yeah. Uh,
0: but he seems to have been banished to the shadow realm.
1: Yeah. For the and, time being. See, and like even Casadis, it's like he'll do that when he feels like it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and there were a few goals like earlier this season where he actually was right. Like you remember like Fabio being pulled out to the to the wing right against Chicago, yeah. and then Caceres mm-hmm. runs into like the top of the 18 to give them an outlet to pass into. He just buries it. You know, I think yeah. it's been one of those things that's been missing from Casares since he came back from Copa America, but it's apparently because he was playing with a bum hamstring. I don't really know how much I buy that to be completely honest with you, because injuries with this team have been such a. It's been like trying to fucking like decode hieroglyphics at some point. You know, like it, it really does kind of feel that way, the way that this team's handled injuries. But, you know, yeah, it, it is a fair point. You know, Yearwood was kind of doing that a little bit earlier this season. I'm not really sure what's going on with them now. Uh, but we yeah, do the team, have
1: yeah, the sorry. team understands our anti international soccer bias. So, so <laughs> they know that we, we're going to believe that he pulled his hamstring on international duty. What were you saying, though? Juan Guaido did this, basically, was what I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. The fucking Gusanos. Juan Guaido is the official doctor of the (laughs) Fasor. I think
0: I I saw him in a Simpsons episode once. But he was going by the name uh, Nick Rivera then. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that kind of does it for Columbus, I think,
1: for me. Yeah, I think if I have some other notes... I think we talked about Klimala again, but I think it's weird to watch Klimala cause it's like, he's extremely active and it, the stat sheet might not show it, but he's like always involved, even if he's not directly on the score sheet or on the yeah. stat sheet, it's very strange to watch, but it's like, he's making those runs. He's doing what he can. It's just like, it's a it like, in a lot of ways he does pass the eye test. It's just, you know, especially if you compare him to like the other stretch, you know, we like when Barlow comes in, it's a different kind of player that's coming in. And, you know, you compare the two, and you would much rather have clayball on, on on the field as opposed to what um, we expect Tom Barlow to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. If yeah. let's say, I, I think. Oh, another thing is Royer came back. Royer was back as a second half sub, and I thought he looked really sharp. He looked really fresh. We've talked a lot about what his contributions can be, him starting versus him uh seeing out a game and where his skill set where he currently is um fits into like game states and he just looked really good like he was carrying the ball very confidently he was chasing balls that you know it's like when we're winning and uh the other team attacks and they cough up the ball and then the team and then like the new york red bulls come streaming up the field like royer is like that guy who would be on that ball in like i don't know the like the kaku position where he's just carrying the ball forward as guys just like get forward
0: yeah you know that's the, that's the interesting thing for me right some really crafty veteran stuff as well right the way he was drawing fouls to like close out the game the way that uh, i think his movement opens up space for a lot of his other teammates i think i'm gonna have to issue a bit of a mea culpa to danny royer i think uh, <laughs> I was pretty harsh on him at the at beginning of the year but you know i think as a as a vet coming off the bench right to close out games like you say it wasn't so much the fact that he was playing that we were um pissed off about it was the fact that he was starting right yeah, it's not, off it's, about. It's, yeah it's not yeah Him coming that. off the bench is a weapon you know i mean it certainly yeah, is i think it's probably best suited for his uh, game at this point in his career the only other observation I had of him is that he seems to have come back with more hair than when he left. So yeah, that is very why the strange. fuck was he
1: bald? Why was he bald? I very mean, as, I shave my head every six weeks, but even then it's like, what, what's his excuse?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's more for summer season. Like he, he's got more hair in the height of summer. <laughs> yeah. That is that is very counterintuitive. Like we, th- we we think Pep Guardiola is the ultimate bald fraud. Well, Danny Royer <laughs> is committing a different kind of bald fraud. You no, know, I think he's stealing bald people' valor, and that cannot be okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, I think uh, once again, I will, uh, uh, I, I, I will uh, toot my horn for Carlos Coronel forever and always. And I'm very, very glad that um, he's settled. Some of the uh, silly mistakes uh, earlier this season were definitely fixable. Like I think I've mentioned a number of times (laughs) and I'm glad that they kind of ironed it out in the end. So whatever you're doing in the goalkeeping video room, I think a plus Yuri Neiman and and co like, well done. I think uh, definitely uh, the way he's played uh, over those last few games, you know, it's definitely I think reaffirmed a lot of faith that the organization. Can I ask something
1: about, um, can I ask something about Cornell that might be, it's like a very goalkeeper specific thing. Yeah. So. He doesn't seem like a yeller. And in the way that, like, not that he doesn't communicate with the ba- his backline, like, he's always doing that. But he, like, Luis Robles yelled a lot, like, very, like, angry style yelling. And he doesn't, and Coronel does not seem to be that kind of guy. Did you, is that, is that, am I right? Or is it?
0: Well, this is where I kind of diss Oliver Kahn a little bit because I think uh, the, um, it, it really colored a lot of the way that people think goalkeepers should be communicating with their backlines. Right. And the very basis of organizing the back line should be to get the message across as quickly and as simply as possible to your defenders. Right, There are like, I think uh, there's a pool of like eight or 10 words right, that you have to learn in order to communicate with your goalkeeper, in order to communicate with your defenses at any given time. Right, So in that sense, the uh, lexicon is kind of, a, you know, there is a standardized lexicon that defenders and goalkeepers use to communicate with each other. Like, for example, I think the most famous, the most prominent example that people would be aware of would be the term away, right? Which you may have been heard screaming at corners, which basically means that um, the goalkeeper is not coming off his line. It's up to his defenders to uh, deal with it. So when you hear away, you know as a center back that I have to go for the ball because my keeper's not coming out for it. So going back to the point about communication, um, you know, the basis of communication is on these words, right? But then, some goalkeepers like to go above and beyond that by just giving their defenders like a balking every time they make, every time they make an error or something. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of been like um, this has already been colored because like I think a lot of uh, goalkeepers in the '90s, especially people who would watch it growing up on TV, were kind of famous for doing this, like giving uh, you know credence to the stereotype of the mad goalkeeper, right? <laughs> And I've always kind of thought that that kind of stuff is actually really unnecessary because it's kind of extra. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't don't actually need to, like, scream at your defenders, like, every time, you know? And the thing is that, like, nowadays, especially, like, players aren't really going to be responding quite as well to that kind of stuff because especially if you're, like, a relatively youngish goalkeeper like Carlos Cornell, right, you don't have like the ethos of a uh, Champions League winning or like World Cup winning goalkeeper, uh, Oliver Kahn, whatever, backing you up, right? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's different styles for sure, but one is not necessarily better than the other because the basis of communication is basically just predicated on getting... The bare minimum of what, the bare minimum of instructions to your backline, like across, yeah. You know. And of course, I think there are some roles in the locker room that kind of define it as well. Sometimes, uh, sometimes goalkeepers like to take uh, more charge in doing that, especially more experienced keepers. But then, sometimes uh, they're more than happy to let the backline organize themselves, and they just give like instructions to like, uh, you know markup here and there it's very it's very give and take i can't really comment on that aspect of it because i don't really know what the locker room dynamic is between the goalkeeper and the uh, defenders or what they've agreed amongst themselves but you know i think um it just basically shows to me that coronel prefers like a much calmer like communication style than you would uh, typically see and as long as like uh the instructions are understood by the back line and they manage to work together as a unit like i think uh it's definitely not the worst thing in the world Mm-hmm. Yeah. i know
1: like pat pat dewan had pointed it out like after the his save on Jazzy artist which was fantastic by the way like mm. i thought he was gonna go i thought this was gonna shoot for the you know he's gonna open up his hips and shoot to the far corner nope uh cornell guesses right and sort of smothers it going across his body fantastic save but then the ball goes out and he just goes up to it's like this is what pat pointed out that he goes up to the defenders and kind of just puts his arm around their shoulders like all right guys i got this let's not do that again <laughs> Uh, whereas, like, Luis Robles would, like, yell at guys, which he's free to do. It's just like there's just different styles of doing these things.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, it, it really just depends on the personality of the goalkeeper. And, you know, I think you can tell that Coronel is, like, quite a pretty jovial dude based on his uh, <laughs> post-match interviews and the like. And the way that he's been spotted around the locker room. I mean, like, you know, I think Luis is a was also the team captain so i guess he kind of had some credence to yell at guys if he felt like it but yeah again it's down to the temperament and the style the temperament and the personality of the goalkeeper some guys just don't like to yell at their ba- at their defenders cuz they like to keep it cordial you know yeah. so yeah i mean one of those things that are I guess like uh lets you know about the personalities of your players a little bit more, but I don't really think it's a factor that it's it's more of an interesting tidbit than it is like a you know, like a like a game changing or like game defining like thing. So it's just more of a nice little window into the minds of the of the of your players. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that kind of does it for like actual soccer that was played by this team.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think the only other points I had was that uh, Amaya was not good, and Amro for like the third straight game like died, and we had to replace him with Daniel <laughs> Agbo.
0: He went to the Red Sea. You have to understand. He he just he he had a plane to catch to the Mediterranean.
1: Oh right, <laughs> yeah. He had to soothe his he had to soothe his uh, his ankles. Yeah. In the yeah. waters of the Red Sea. <laughs>
0: And you know what? Good on him for doing that, because if that's the kind of shit that you have to deal with, I would fuck off to the Mediterranean as well. <laughs> like, I, like the rain in Harrison that day, man. Oh, my
1: God. Like I, so, I saw the photos, I saw the videos, I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was not great. It was it was uh, at least during the Miami game. It was uh, the rain was not bad as we were coming out of the stadium. But this time it just got it just got it just got really bad. And it just.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a hurricane, <laughs> right? It was hurricane rain rainbands. Like that's not fun. That's, yeah, that's uh. So some people like getting like like their cars were getting were stalling and shit. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, man. the
1: whole like the whole street that the the, the path train crosses over in Harrison was just, like flooded, and we all had to go the other way.
0: Not Frankie Rogers Boulevard, no. Not
1: Frankie. <laughs> period Rogers Boulevard yeah it's uh yeah it's supposed to rain tomorrow I don't think it's going to be as bad but my god
0: yeah you know I I I I, I have a pet theory that this was a this was a hoodoo that inner Miami put on us right and we had to have another rain delay to pass it on to someone else so <laughs> you know I think um you know if, if it means cities start free falling down the table now and we start searching back up I'm okay with it um, pass it on to them. Uh, yeah. Last
1: thing, I guess, on this game, it was nice seeing Bradley Wright Phillips again. I thought he got the reception that uh, that he would have deserved. Um, he played the full 90, so he didn't exactly come off to an applause, which I think would have been nice. But, you know, they didn't have strikers, and Jesse's artist died, so he didn't get to do that. But <laughs> the, uh, the
0: substitution and a shame after being yeah, stuffed in a well-played one-on-one by the goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, he easily could have scored a goal that again, Cornell had a tremendous save on, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite the same Bradley Phil's whether or not the system was different or just like, you know, just him where he's at right now. He didn't do that thing where like the ball would go over his shoulder and he would kill it on his toe, like going forward, that thing he would do all the time. Oh man.
0: Oh, but he almost uh, scored like a Bradley esque goal though, or like running away from goal and then like just knocking it in on like a at the side of his foot, like
1: even though he was running in on the other direction almost snuck into the corner. Right. Yeah. no. Cornell had a great stop on that one. Yeah. That would easily but, would have been a very left, uh, whoever the center back was, probably Amro <laughs> <just laughs> <thinking laughs> would have been left him for dead.
0: Yeah. It would have been like a very BWP goal, but you know, yeah. great save to deny it and to get down that quickly. And on, you know, on the one-on-one, one, like it's like a very, like that's textbook, uh, dealing with the uh, long range one-on-ones as people would say right because i think he doesn't really commit to the ball too soon he forces the striker to make a decision and uh basically like he takes control of that situation but not rushing into it right and as a result of that like i think he kind of gets like, he kind of gets a bit lucky because the, the finish from Zardes in itself was terrible just kind of fired it at him but the very fact that he managed to like uh Bring that outcome out by staying back, uh, f- making the striker panic a little bit because he realizes that he doesn't really have as much of a space to shoot at, right? And ends up having him fire it directly into his body, you know, I think just by positioning himself well. Textbook, long range, one-on-one situation, like very, very well played. Um, that's the kind of shit that you definitely like to see. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah it kind of does it for me on that one um i'll give my three i'll give my stocks i guess i almost said three stars with the game and then i realized i'd be ripping off off the perch so uh, oh no steve chris and pat i'm sorry i almost uh, committed a copyright infringement there you'd be you'd be ripping off the perch all right and on that note metro fan tv is over um (laughs) Fifty, You
1: know, 50 episodes, that's a good run. It was a good run, folks, but we got to end it on that stinker. <laughs> so, a 50-episode no. anime would be a great series, but yeah. uh, so we're off on a high note. So, uh... If you think of our
0: episodes as volumes, we are already one of the longest-running <laughs> manga <laughs> series, I guess. But yeah, anyway, uh, my stock-ups. Okay, so obviously big ups to uh, Carlos Cornell, John Tolkien... And um I don't know. Who's my last one gonna be? I mean I guess uh stock up to uh Sean Nealis, yeah of course coming back and uh immediately like making us look okay because we actually have actual defenders out there now. Uh <laughs> stock down will go to a the MLS meteorology department, I suppose. Stock down will go to uh Uh, I I hate to do it. I guess so. I'll, I'll I'll give it to Sean Davis. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> it's not because of anything he's done. It's just that I think he kind of needs to be rested for a little bit. Just get some energy back into his legs. Uh, stock down to Wiki Carmona. I think I've uh, just not really been quite impressed by how he's looked at the ten. To be honest with you, still a bit too raw. Still not making great decisions with the ball, and I think uh, part of the malaise is really because I think um, there's no one I think at the tip of the diamond who's been running into these positions to help support the strikers off the ball. You know, so I, I don't think he's really ready for to be carrying, you know, this much responsibility as he has been. I do think that there is potential for a really good player there. I don't know if uh, it should really necessarily come at MLS level just yet. But yeah, um, that kind of does it for me.
1: All right. Uh, I probably won't go 3-3, but like, I guess a stock up to Andrew Gutman. I thought he, on his return from injury, looking really sharp. Yeah. I think um, his stint at left center back, that outside center back spot, I thought he was very good um, deputizing in a position that he probably isn't very used to. That's not like suited to his game. Um, but he, I think he won the aerial duels as night, you know, that he at least has the height that he's an athletic guy that he can sort of get to those. Um, and just, just him being back at, uh, in the team gives us the option to play Tolkien at left back. And then, uh, we don't have to play Jason Pendon, I guess in that position. (laughs) Uh, I guess we got to give a stock up to Daniel Royer. Um, uh, like I said before, I thought just his influence on the game in the second half as a fresh sub, very good. Um, I guess do we give? I guess we have to give a stock up to Manuel Egbo. I don't know what his deal is. I don't know what what what, what the situation with him is. But I think um, him coming into the game on that sort of injury sub and like the reaction from the players after, where they were just like, "Oh yeah, like we know Manny. Manny's a professional. Manny's you know Manny does what he needs to do." I think there's like a lot of trust within the team about him in that position. Um, I don't know what the roster mechanics keep him out of the team or if there's anything about, you know, him personally. Uh, but, you know, stock stock down to my only stock down, I guess, in the game against Columbus is to Amaya. I don't know what mm-hmm. his deal is. Um, I think it might have to do with the fact that he's just not getting game time. I think the kind of player that we saw of him is like just lots of highlights of him playing at FC Cincinnati. Cause he was just getting into the team every week and he's not playing here week in week out. And it's just like, it's, it seems like he's just zapped of confidence. There were lots of moments in this game against Columbus where he, he did not really progress the ball that much. He would get the ball out to uh, Kyle Duncan on the right-hand side, but he didn't, or, you know, to, to, to Tolkien, at left wing back but he otherwise he didn't really progress the ball there were a lot of breaks that he could have passed and just the ball just didn't he didn't connect properly on it uh hopefully he turns around i think he you know we saw he's a decent player we did spend a, a good amount of money on him it was very we all thought it was like a coup that we got uh fc cincinnati to send him over to us so i think there's still a player in him but uh he's going through a rough patch right now um, he needs a run of games i think yeah i think he needs a run of games i think and I think Caden Clark has basically run out of organs that he could lose and still be alive. <laughs> that would let uh, Frankie Amaya get into games. Uh, kind of one of the victims of some
0: weird week-to-week personnel decisions, I think. Because it's hard to build a rhythm if like you don't know if you're going to be playing at any given week. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, like, I, my, I'm still waiting and seeing a Frankie Amaya. I don't think he's been given a fair shake since uh, he uh, got pulled early due to injury. I think in that one game against who wasn't it? it was one of the home games. I forget. Yeah. I think it was Nashville. I could be wrong. I don't know. No, no, no. It was Orlando at home the first time around. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, it is fair. I think on a week on a, uh, on that last Columbus game, Is that gonna do it for stocks?
1: Yeah. Okay. Unless we want to like transpose stocks to the NYCFC game, and just I don't like, think we need to do that because nothing actually no. happened. <laughs> it was. Let me if if I could just make something. It's like uh, if had the game kicked off, we would have kicked off around like ten thirty, and at that point i kind of just wanted to go home like the it was the, it wasn't even that like the like the wind was the wind was bad enough where you were getting wet in the supporter section even if you were underneath the roof like i know i was the perch was back but like even, even like with the perch back you were getting drenched and then by the time the game was over you were getting wet in the supporter section too and uh obviously the field was wet they were doing warm ups and obviously the shooting drills and just like the ball hitting the pitch with on that wet pitch would just like thud and the players could not like hit the ball first time. They had to take it like a little, it was just like real sloppy. And would it have made for good soccer? Uh, maybe from a pure aesthetic level, when the ball would hit the back of the net and the water would just go, Psh! that looked fantastic, but that was really about it. And the and then the potential of like the never ending slide. If someone scored a goal, that would have, been made, <laughs> that would have made it absolutely worth it. But uh, we couldn't get there. Have you
0: ever wanted to see what soccer would look like if it was played in Paddy Fields kids?
1: well oh yeah there you go <laughs> literally like it was like when uh i think as as esmail elfath was like doing like the test of the ball roll test and it was like the ball wouldn't even roll like two feet and he was just like come on guys yeah it was skidding it looked like the it fucking florida great. everglades in there like, what the fuck <laughs> like i like i know the players wanted to play but like i would have too but jesus man it would have been a really funny game I don't know It, it would have been a really... very funny game. It, it would have been a, good a legendary game. atmosphere. Yeah. But I would have liked it to not have been at like ten thirty. <laughs> I think like, we can all as agree a hurricane with that. was approaching. I think we can all agree with that, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, um, I was just kind of glad that I could kind of chill at home, eat my breakfast, like refresh for funny memes and shit. But that's basically about it. Uh. I think we'll move on now because we actually do have actual team news to cover shock yes. horror. we actually have a transfer rumor at this stage. A certain is CR formerly of the Leon Academy last seen playing for Donetsk, uh, by Donetsk, I mean Olympic Donetsk. There is another team in Donetsk, believe it or not. Uh, I think he was he signed a two year deal with them, but like I think his contract avoided after they were relegated from the first division. Um, so uh, apparently coming to us in a free transfer, of course, uh, these uh is meant to be believed. There's very limited video of him, but w- from what I could find in Y Scout, you know, this is a he is a very tall boy. I'll definitely put it out that way, six foot five. Yeah, he's, and a half. He is he is massive. He's very tall. Not he's very sure very, about massive. Like,
1: yeah. Because he, <laughs> he yeah, kind of, he kind of like,
0: I was going to say, like, he kind of runs like Slenderman out there. It's kind of terrifying, actually. <laughs> like, really yeah, long kind of arms reminds, and like,
1: it's swing wildly. Not quite like, uh, like, minute bowl or bowl bowl, but like, skinny guy.
0: Definitely, yeah, like gangly, right? And it's the word that we would use. Definitely, um, like seeing him go down into a tackle, I mean, like he has to fold half his body before he even stretches his <laughs> legs out, which is kind of like, dude, like you you remember backyard sports, right? you know he he yeah. reminds me of Ernie Steele a lot, <laughs> just like seventy <laughs> percent legs, skinny as fuck, and like probably gonna like fold in half just to like get down to the ground. you know, it's very it's a it's a bit strange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are pictures of. I'm looking at pictures of him right now in training, and he's like wearing three quarter pants, but they go <laughs> they stop above his knee.
0: Yeah, like and 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 th- 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 those aren't even like like shorts, right? Like those are just normal people like joggers. Those are supposed
1: to go over <laughs> your knees.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say though, I mean, I think uh, you can see the fit because uh, he is capable of putting out like a pretty decent like line splitting pass from the back line, right? I think. I uh, quite composed on the ball, likes to dribble forward with it and completes uh, dribbles at a pretty decent rate. So, you know, at least the on-ball ability is there, especially, I think, of uh, what you expect from uh, our centre-backs as well is it'll be taking a more active role and like, playing playing the ball, like, set, like, in terms of just bringing it up the field and also, like, playing vertically, right? Through with the, pa- the passing out the back, you know, I think from that sense there is a fit. I was also moments where it looked like Olympic Donuts kind of played like a three man three three man backline. So
1: Ooh.
0: I think that's another key criteria right someone who can f- slot in and f- in like four or five man backline configurations while also being able to be like act as like a facilitator. So you know I think I can see the fit. there are definitely um I'm definitely not as high on him as Lucas Monzon who but you know i think uh you know if this is going to be like say our third or fourth option on the depth chart for next season i think like uh, we could certainly do a lot worse i could think that th- I, this kind of has squad player like written all over it
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you know i mean wouldn't be the worst piece of business to bring in someone like that in a free and then just have him play rotation
1: games yeah i mean i think waits to yeah, be yeah, seen I guess it's a difference between, I guess, like having someone who has, like, who comes in with obvious pedigree, but hasn't really shown it at the professional level. Like this guy, Lyon Leon Academy is low key one of the best academies in Europe. And he also yeah. trained at the, the Clairefontaine School, which is yeah. like, like every great, like half of all the great French soccer players of the past, like, 30 years have trained there. That's like yeah. where the French national team kind of builds up its youth ranks. Um, but yeah, he was playing in the second, what? Was it the second or third division? Not the second. I don't know if Olympic Donetsk plays in the first or second division or not. Um, I just assume that they don't actually play in Donetsk because Shakhtar does not play in Donetsk because of the war. And they've been playing in Kiev or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, But then you contrast him to Lucas Monzon, who, you know, I don't know. Danubio is like known for its academy, but at the same time, it's like, you know. The fact that it's not Europe, you know, you kind of think about where uh, guys end up and just like the relative like strength of like the, the Uruguayan league. But at the same time, like Monzon looks like a player, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know.
0: Yeah, because we, we haven't seen him play yet, basically. But, you know, I, I mean, like he's
1: going to be here soon. I think his 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 IG story shows him about to board a play. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's saying goodbyes at the uh airport in Montevideo,
1: I presume. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um I I almost forgot what the capital of Uruguay was for a while there. <laughs> What's the only city that you could name in, in Uruguay uh, would be the uh The,
0: Peñarol, the city <laughs> the city of Nacional. Oh, <laughs>
1: uh, uh, Higgins? Oh no, that's Chile.
0: <laughs> oh, how dare you, sir. <laughs> well how dare how dare you mention that coastline stealing country horrible <laughs> horrible um yeah so i don't know i mean i think uh you know i think uh i think you know i think uh this seems like a 2022 signing i would be surprised if it's the case where like uh comes to the first team and they loan him down to Red Bull too
1: for a bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Um especially with Monzon coming in. Yeah.
0: M- Monzon definitely looks seems like more that he'd just step into the first team immediately. On the topic of weird first team developments, Yuba Diara was spotted in training for the first yes. time in like since like April. Right? We we The we man are, lives. <laughs> it's like it's like capturing
1: Bigfoot on camera. Like holy shit. Like, he lives. <laughs> and then he tweeted He tweeted that post. So yeah. we're just like, man. This is actually happening, huh? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I will say, you know, I mean, like, assuming he stays healthy. Um, <laughs> me, me just even saying that out loud feels a bit improbable. But, you know, if he, if he stays healthy, right? I mean, like, look, we need a defensive midfielder. Like, right. Sean, Sean Davis is basically dying at this point. Right. Yeah. Being trotted out for like 90 minutes every match.
1: Um, I'm curious if he comes in and do we pl- like, like just hypothetically he comes back and it's like, do we play the diamond with him or do we play him as sort of the pivot in the, the three minute with the three men, mi- the wing back formation? Well, um, no, I think either way,
0: like he's, he, he's meant to be that midfielder at the base of diamond at the base. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he is a ball winning deep. He is a ball winning defensive midfielder. And uh, no matter which configuration uh, we play in, I do expect that he will form like sort of like, you know, the, the, the foundation of that midfield, right. Once the ball drives it forward and then lets everybody like go forward with him. Cause I mean, he did show against Kansas city, right. He is capable of like covering a ton of ground, winning the ball back and then playing it forward with like a line splitting pass, you know, like he's got that ability to him. It's just that his, his body fails him consistently, <laughs> It's such a tragedy
1: he has glass bones and paper yeah
0: <laughs> he he waits until his uh, heart attacks put him puts put put him to sleep at night you know like
1: <laughs> like come on now like <laughs> it would be it would be so funny if like his first game back would be like MLS Cup final <laughs> oh my god
0: Just and he, sco- he, he he scores the winning goal like Matt
1: kanji and gets injured <laughs> you know it would be it would be like I forget who scored the goal. But it was like, uh, or no, I think it was Jason Cundy in, in the uh, in the Premier League where he, like, he slide tackles, but the ball comes off his foot and goes into the goal.
0: Yeah, and he gets injured on the same play. Yes. <laughs> that's
1: That itself is worth a hat trick, just a completed crunchy slide tackle. You injure yourself, but it's a goal in a cup final.
0: Yeah, and, and the team's dogpiling him as he's like holding his ankle or something. He's like, no, 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 <laughs> God
1: damn it. Elevate my leg first. <laughs>
0: It would be rice, like rice,
1: rice,
0: <laughs> the most Yuba DRS season possible. But yeah, you know, I mean, uh, if 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 it's true and he's really back, hey, welcome back, Cuba! Where have you been? Like, holy shit! Like a new signing. Like a new signing, exactly. Uh, Can you believe it? Speaking of signings, it's been a yes. day,
1: hasn't it? It's <laughs> been quite the day it's been remiss but i know we're like well almost an hour into this podcast and uh i think we'd be remiss to talk about the biggest transfer deadline the transfer deadline today um what would have been august friday august 27th and of course we are talking about the earth shattering transfer that everyone's been talking about today and that is as we all know the transfer of Liam Scales from Shamrock Rovers to Celtic Football Club. Congratulations, Liam! It's a big deal for a young Irish talent to play at a club like Celtic. But uh, it's a grand old team to play for. for yeah, it's I a mean, grand dude. Old team, be dad. <laughs> I mean,
0: Big Ange is doing business up there. eh? Absolutely. My Furuhashi kit's coming in the mail, so kind of excited about that. Hell uh, yeah, Ballon d'Or winner yeah kyogo you, furuhashi. you heard it here first in Metro fan tv like kyogo furuhashi he's gonna make like mbappe look like shit
1: i'm telling <laughs> you right
0: now it'll be like mbap who i think that's a handsome song i only know kyogo <laughs> <laughs> goal i should say kyogo. that's such a good hashtag by the way it's I mean, so good man basically writes itself um In the spirit of ridiculous transfers, though, we do have a game for you guys, believe it or not. We are going to play this thing called Fantasy GM. I am literally going to read all the players that you guys sent in a couple weeks ago. We are going to roll a dice to see what he'll be signing with the team on, and it is up to Juan and I to decide whether or not we will take these players on these terms. So will we be able to come up with a better transfer strategy with the uh, through the powers of crowdsourcing and random number generation well there's only one way to find out right so you kind of get the gist of it right if i going to roll in this four sided die and uh, that's going to determine the contract terms and then we are it's up to us to uh, recall how much we remember of this player to see if you know it's worth taking him on these terms right we got the gist of it mm mm-hmm. mhm all right, so let's begin. Patrick Haddad telling us to sign Giuseppe Baresi, and he will be Ooh. available on a designated player contract. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so what do we know about Giuseppe Baresi? I mean, this is Franco's uh, brother. I mean, Giuseppe's definitely the more famous of the two, as everybody would know. I think uh, the other guy <laughs> didn't really do so well. <laughs> What happened to him again? I can't really remember. Something about retirement. That sounds kind of goofy. Like imagine yeah, that. Anyway, um, yeah. So, Giuseppe Baresi, if I recall, I think this is a, uh, yeah, he played for Inter. I think he was sort of yes. like a one of those like sort of like good but not like great like players, like just a solidly career like Serie A, Serie a guy in like the eighties right if i'm not mistaken but serie a at the time was like the best league in the world so assuming that we're pulling him from that era i mean like a good serie a player playing for a big team like inter on a designated player contract he is a midfielder so you know i mean defensive that is a midfielder position, that that is a position in need so i mean if he's a designated player it's, i'd say we take him
1: what do you think i mean a defensive midfielder from what's it called 80s serie a that's that's rough and tumble. Yeah. That's like, I'm pretty sure murder was allowed at that point. And he played like <laughs> 400 games for inter Milan at that time. I would, yeah. and just like in the tradition of this club, signing uh, more famous players, younger brothers or whatever. I think that's uh, that's the way to go.
0: It would be pretty on brand for a strategy, huh? Yeah. You know, I think it is a good deal. Yeah. So we've signed Giuseppe Barresi on a designated player contract wow. after <laughs> a great start guys. I won't right. check how old he is.
1: <laughs> that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. I think he would have been like 20-something anyway, if we're assuming we're signing him from the 80s. Now, if we signed current Giuseppe Baresi on a designated in, in player a man his,
1: In his 60s, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> could unless, he, he, could, he, like, unless he's in great shape, he could probably still do a job, but who knows? I, I mean, like... That's, uh, are that's his slit- knees... are the, My question is, are his knees more sturdy than Yuba Diyar's knees? <laughs> I was, I was, damn it, I was about to make the same joke oh, look, I mean, this
0: is a guy who plays in midfield who's 10 years older than King Kazu, so let's think about this <laughs> for a bit let's think about this for a bit, you guys um, moving on to the next player from Rob Umbria, Poppy Jillo Boji, now that is a name I haven't heard in a very long time and he was available wow. on the league minimum, would you believe it? <laughs> This is a very Montreal Impact signing, right? Absolutely, (laughs) yes. This is Joey Saputo written all over it. So, what we recall from Papi Jiloboji, right? I think a legendary Chelsea bench player. (laughs) Did not play
1: a single league game for Chelsea. (laughs) Yes. The deepest of the depths.
0: Like, I think, um, you know... Uh, is he still playing? That's the thing. Like, I don't actually know like what he's up to nowadays. Let's give this a quick look. So, where is Papi? He plays? In, he
1: currently plays in Turkey. This for would a team be called Gaziantep.
0: Oh my god, he's thirty two years old. Like, this would wow. be a Montreal Impact signing.
1: This this is a very Montreal Impact signing. Yeah, like 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 the, like this is a, this would be like fucking
0: what the Rod Fannies and, <laughs> and the Rod Fannies and the. Oh
1: yeah, Victor Oneyama plays there right now, doesn't
0: he? Yeah. Completely flew
1: over my head. Um I One do know Poppy Boji is that he has that rap song with the chorus that goes like Jiloboji, Boji. <laughs> G- I'm like that's that's really great. That's I can't knock that. That's a that's a banging song.
0: <laughs> you know, I think if he does a collab with DJ Sully, I think uh, oh, you man. know, I think That'd be like the most fire track in like this. this team's <laughs> history. The
1: re- DJ Phil does a remix of that song. <laughs>
0: DJ Phil, DJ Solly remix, <laughs> featuring Poppy Jilaboji. Oh my god! Uh, I will not actually sign him under league minimum. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: No, I don't think so. If we're, I think uh, he's also six four. So I think if we're all. If we're gonna get Drame, I think uh, we have a younger player, but in this in this mold. Yeah, exactly. As much as I want to defer to uh, former Werder Bremen players, <laughs> <laughs> no bias there or anything, right? Like, <laughs> no bias there. If we're gonna like look, if we're gonna sign a former Werder Bremen player, we can't. If we can't sign Slotko Yunusovic, and we can't sign uh, Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> we're not gonna sign Poppy Jillaboji.
0: Well, we're gonna go for former Bremen players. Just bring me Yuya Osako or something. Like, How the fuck did you go to Kobe, oh, yeah. man? That's bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, we we, we pass him, Papi Jilaboji. Sorry, folks. Um, next one coming from Empanadas. Ole, ole, ole. Chris Ashley, thank you very much for your contribution. Giovanni van Bronckhorst, Arsenal legend. He is available on a designated player contract. Would you believe it? Would you take GVB on a designated player contract? I think you would assuming that he's coming from is straight from Barcelona, but Mm -hmm. like uh, a designated player left back, a left back. I I don't know, man. Like that kind of seems like a, that seems like a desperation move. Doesn't it? Like very MLS 2.0 signing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Unless you would want to like do something different and try to like play in midfield, like those kinds of like how like Danny Alves is like playing center midfield right now for, for Sao Paulo or whatever.
0: So it's like a reverse um, Fabian Johnson, right? Like uh, instead if he of could,
1: like, like like thinking about like if he, is he going to score the kind of goal he did against Uruguay at the 2010 World Cup just whacking that ball. Oh my god, what a Yeah,
0: I, I think he's he's a legend just simply because he's the only guy who's gotten a strike like that out of a Jabalani football.
1: Him and Keske Honda. <laughs> And I, I guess, and I guess uh, Yasuhito Endo, if we also want to talk about great goal scored with that ball.
0: Oh, oh, but but you see, like that was what, like that was all about control, you know. Like this was a proper thunder bastard, right? Like just fucking yeah. whacked it with his left foot, and it just like flew in off the post. I mean, like that what a was goal, man. Man just drilled it, and it just went in anyway, right? And if you know how, if you know how that football was like what that playing with that ball was like like just getting it to like fly in a straight line to begin with would it required like levels of technique we haven't seen since i don't know like fucking Thierry Henry basically like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wikipedia says that it's widely considered one of the best goals in World Cup history and you know what who it's, am i to uh They're not
1: wrong like i it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty good
0: <laughs> It I is will pretty also good Also
1: say about G- about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is that he's uh he's currently 46 years old and he looks fantastic like he that he man does not look a day over
0: yeah he basically looks how he did when he was still playing so that's pretty impressive actually
1: and um, you want to know what else like if you're gonna if you're if you're on google right now google Giovanni Van Bronckhorst parents they also look fantastic for however old they look like whatever whatever genes they got going on it's incredible you know why it's the Indonesian jeans, man. I'm telling you. That's, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the key here, you guys. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they look like his older siblings. I don't get it. That's it's incredible. If he can give us the, the secrets, then he would be worth that DP contract.
0: I think uh, you could put him onto billboards pretty easily, right? Pretty easy sell. I think. <laughs> Very handsome. Activate
1: man. the uh, the. Activate the uh, the Indonesian-Dutch population.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's a community in Queens that will come out for that. So, you know... Uh, oh, yeah. I will say, though, I mean, I think as a left-back, right, I, I, I would think he'd kind of offer more as an attacking outlet than Andrew Goodman. But coming off of... Assuming that we are taking him coming off of his Barcelona spell, he would have already been... Well, I mean, uh, yeah, he would have been like 33 years old. I think at this point, my calculations are correct. So I How don't he know. I think
1: Barcelona th- to go back to Feyenoord, I think. Yeah,
0: he did. He did. He went back to Feyenoord and then he saw the rest of his career there. Uh, I'm not, so I don't know. I think I, I actually think this is a pass for me, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't really think it's worth warranting a designated player contract on a Thirty-three-year-old left back. Maybe some people disagree with me, but I'm not going to pay attention to them. Um, so yeah, I oh, know my 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 decision is to pass. Like, what's yours? Uh,
1: based on what you just said, I think we're going to pass just because, like, uh, of who we've got in that spot. Yeah, yeah. You're we are. Right. We already have a. We already have a left back of Southeast Asian origins, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not very good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, we we, we we know who the good Vietnamese players are and dear, we know who the good Vietnamese players are. Nguyen Quang Hai and Nguyen Cong Phuong. Remember those names right and, now, uh, kids? And Lee Win. Lee Win. V <laughs> <laughs> League legend Lee Win. <laughs> coming over in 2014 was such a sensation. Like, holy wow. Anyway, uh all right. So next name on the list coming from Ed Ritter. Thanks, Ed. The biggest name on this list, I would say, this is Jan Venegor of Hesselink.
1: Wow. Famous, oh my God!
0: famous, famous, famous name. I mean, I think everybody, anybody would know that, would familiar him. At one point, he was a great goal scorer at Celtic. You know, I think, um, forget where he was before that, that warranted that move. But, you know, he's available on... Alloc for allocation money. All right. So allocation Ooh. money for Jan Venegor of Hestling. I think that's an easy sell, isn't it?
1: I think so. That's a very good,
0: that is a really good deal. So I think I'd take it personally. I, I mean like so memes too. aside, think... he was a really good striker at one point.
1: He was right? a really be... good player. Like I know he was like super <laughs> tall. He was like six, three, um, but he was real. You watch his highlights and it's not just him being a big man in the box. He was really, he made really great runs. Really. Yeah, great it was like Van Nistelrooy basically. Yeah. And this story. Also, if you want to think about it, he was a bit. There was a bit of a, a Kenny Cooper to him. <laughs> yeah.
0: The poaching. Definitely. Yeah. Back when Fox and the box strikers were kind of like, uh, you know, like folk. But you know, what I mean, like if I think about how this team wants to play, uh, you know, I think a big, big presence up top like that, who can also like uh, play off the shoulder and run into space and score goals. I mean, like, I think that's a pretty, that'd be a pretty good get. Even if he were like. On a Tam contract, I think even if you get him as like a thirty-something-year-old coming out from Celtic, yeah, I mean he would have been thirty-two. But I mean Danny Royer is about thirty-two as well, so you know, I mean I'd make an
1: exception for him for sure. Just also just to like see how uh, the 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 club shop would print his jersey. <laughs> they do the
0: they do the Pro Evo thing and just be like Vo Hesselink, which I think would be really lame. But I remember oh, his halter. Venegor
1: across the top. Yeah, Ven- I know that. Yeah, Hull Hull had the whole thing on.
0: It was like a rainbow over his number,
1: <laughs> going over his like across his shoulder blades.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say, like, like that's still like one of my favorite Premier League kits. I think. Um, all right, next one on the list from John Perdicaro. Thanks, John, for the contribution. John Woolenick, Red Bull Two Manager, is available on a designated player contract. <laughs> I'm sorry, he's not worth that kind of money.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If it was a DPM contract, a designated player manager, I think we could we could we could uh make some leeway, but that's that's a lot of money. And I I even even he I think would think that that's that'd be excessive.
0: Yeah, no, I mean like 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 even at his peak, you know, I think this is a good MLS player. Like, that, that, that's really not what you're spending designated player slider. level money on. So, um, yeah, I think this is a pretty solid pass for me, sadly. Um, but I shouldn't slight him
1: in any way. Um, you're talking about Fordham's greatest ever soccer player.
0: I'm sorry, Mr. Akista. Please don't, please don't block us again.
1: Please Double don't block Juan again. <laughs> <laughs> we worked so hard to free him. It'd be a shame. the all, the all-time leader in a Fordham, uh what was it goals shots on goal assists and i think uh i think i think every every uh, out every record that an outfield player can hold is held by john wallanick and then every other record that a goalkeeper could hold is is held Ryan by right or...
0: <laughs> the rams man i'm telling you how about those rams though anyway uh... how about those rams all right Next name on the list is another one that will be familiar to people who watched a game in the mid two thousands. So good they named him twice, Eric Jemba Jemba. Thank you, Eric Friedlander, for this contribution. Showing Eric solidarity, I see. Um, he's available on a designated player contract. Wow, this dice roller really just wants us to sign a fucking DP, huh?
1: Yeah. This I is, regret this, to this, inform- came, this dice came from MLS.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm looking at the source code right now. Oh, and this dice is sponsored by the New York Red Bulls discussion group. Okay, well, that explains wow. a few things. Uh, oh, no. What a heel turn. First, they steal our third host away from us for the podcast. and Now they're demanding we sign a DP. Unbelievable, I tell you. Unbelievable. But yeah, Eric Jemba Jemba. Well, he's well known for the name and uh, being a allegedly a combative defensive midfielder. Um, <laughs> I can I can tell you for percent that none of those things were true.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I literally do not remember like anything of him in a Manchester United shirt, other than like him coming on a few times
1: and this was like yeah, like i was gonna i was gonna defer to you because i'm like because i know you're the united because i know i know really nothing about him
0: like like this was a transition united squad as well right i mean like i think fergie and like oh 304 which was trying to age out like a few was like trying to build a new generation of players so i could take over for the uh, core that kind of ran the league in like the late 90s and early 2000s right like roy Keane, yeah kino like like jemba jemba was one of the guys they brought in to try and uh fill kino's shoes right and the other guys were like people like uh what's his name uh Kleberson.
1: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> who
0: they tried to bring in to entice ronaldinho to sign for manchester united by the way so he was another one that was on that list um Liam Miller was another midfielder that they brought in but I uh, you know I think he wasn't really supposed to be for that you know that combative bit defensive midfielder role and that kind of kind of was a bit of a hole in the squad right cuz Keane had left in pretty acrimonious circumstances earlier that year because of uh, the uh, explosive uh, interview and an MUTV uh and there was a role that they didn't really fill until I think the '07 season when they brought Michael Carrick in from Spurs, and he didn't, and he wasn't really in the same mold. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, Jemba Jemba was one of the guys he brought in to try and fill that basically, and they just never really took. Like, always kind of looked a bit overmatched off the pace, and really didn't really get a good run of games. And slowly and he was uh, quietly shifted off the books. I think, I think one or two years into his, uh, into his. Uh, one or two years into his stint and we just
1: kind of never heard from him again I don't actually know where he went after that. I mean, I'm looking at his career and it's very, it's very strange. So after United, he spends two years at Aston Villa during which he's loaned out to Burnley. Then 2007, he goes to Qatar. He plays for Qatar sports club, which I don't even think is one of the bigger clubs in the Qatar sports league. Just looking at their crest that their crest looks very, uh, Microsoft word, (laughs) uh, and then he go. He spends four years at Odense Ball Club in in uh, in Denmark, which is also Matthias Jorgensen's old team. Uh, which is that's the long he's he plays like hundred and two league games there, so he had a good spell there. And then he goes to Hopwell Tel Aviv, and then he goes to Partizan Belgrade, and then he goes to Saint Mirren in Scotland, and then he goes to uh, blah, 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 India to play for Chennai, and then he goes to Indonesia to play. Uh, for uh, uh but ba- Football Club, Persibaya, yeah. Persibaya, yeah. Persibaya, and then uh, and then he went back to France. Interestingly enough, Chateaubriand. I have no idea where that is. French French fifth division. Loire Loire Atlantique. Where is that? Uh, oh, that's like in the north, like right before you hit the border with like uh, Brittany, where uh, like Nantes and. I other, had no idea yeah. that
0: France even had a fifth division, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I th- I think this is a pretty easy pass. Like, yet another Montreal yeah, Impact signing, right? Like, we need to sign Jemba Jemba on a designated player contract. So I think that's a pretty easy yeah. pass for me. Um, definitely not worth that kind of money. But here's another fun name, though, coming up next term. Larissa. Thanks, Larissa, for this contribution. Raul Mereles. Oh yes, mm. he's available on allocation money. Okay, I mean, like I don't think that's the worst signing that we could make. I mean, uh, let me see. Like at his peak, at Liverpool was a really classy midfielder.
1: I would say, right? I think uh, I wouldn't even say Liverpool. I would say signing him out of Porto.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was the play at Porto that got him the uh, what should we call it? That did earn him the move to uh, Liverpool to begin with, right? So, you know, I mean, this is a guy who has very consistently been a Champions League caliber midfielder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, during the uh, meme years under Kenny Dalglish at Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken, like this was like arguably one of their best players week in, week out. Uh, so, and then, you know, I mean, cap for Portugal 73 times. And, you know, I mean, as you know about the Portugal national team, this is a national side that has all the guys and none of the guys at the same time. Right. <laughs> so if you're a notable guy on the Portuguese national team, you've probably been a stalwart for like ten years at any given time. So long right, as people you remember ha- you. George
1: George Mendes is is your is your uh is your agent and uh you've probably made him at least like seven million dollars yeah. <laughs> fees.
0: You are you are best friends of Joao Moutinho and Fabio Coentrao. Who are like, inexplicably still playing alongside you, <laughs> and silently have all accumulated sixty caps together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I say, I say, uh, him at Porto because just be- before, like, as soon as he gets to Liverpool, that's when he starts going off the deep end with like dicking around with his hair and getting the the neck tattoos. So I think yeah. getting him at Porto on what on allocation money, I think that's yeah. a good deal. That's a great getting deal. Like on- a, a deep-lying defensive midfielder can play the ball well.
0: That would be like the kind of combination play that we've been missing, haven't we, right? Like, someone who can pull the strings like that, I, I definitely like would take him for allocation money on that deal. I don't know how likely it is, but definitely would. Yeah, I think that tells it. We'll, we'll take it. Um, so we'll take it. next one, Juan Pablo Angel. Yet another Metro legend from Keith Brown. He's available for the league minimum.
1: Well, I think that's... (laughs) I don't know. We'd have to sign him now on like a King Kazu deal. Like he just doesn't play, but he's just in the team every week.
0: Yeah, he's there to be a glorified cheerleader. I mean, like if you manage to get like him from Aston Villa on the league minimum, like I am hitting fire like so hard right now that my screen basically is cracking right from the pressure that I'm applying (laughs) on it. I mean like everybody knows Juan Pablo Angel, right? Like even before he signed with uh, the New York Red Bulls. I mean, like this is a guy who uh very consistent goal scorer for a pretty decent mid table Aston Villa side, right? One of the better Colombian players of the mid two thousands when they were kind of in the bit of a down down years for their program as well, I would say.
1: Oh yeah, if you put if you put Juan Pablo Angel on the current <laughs> Colombian national team, like that's uh that's a World Cup caliber winning team. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, like Angel and Falcao, I mean, like off the bench playing
0: together. I mean, that's pretty good. 2010
1: era, or no, 2014 era James Rodriguez. Oh, boy. We still had a... Can you imagine how sick that team would have been on like
0: FIFA 12 when like Pace ruled everything and you could just demolish oh everyone with like a front three, of Falcao, Cuadrado, and Victor Abarbo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, easy sell. I mean, Juan Pablo Angel on a... Federer on a, on a, on the league minimum. Like I'm, I'm taking it <laughs> even, even now. I mean, I guess it would be pretty funny to like have him be, have him have a King Kazuka epideal
1: seeing as how we don't really care about the rest of the 2021 season anyway. So, and we just give, we give him the keys of the, 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 the Twitter account. So he just does his like weird inspirational copy posts. He's <laughs> like a rod's energy quote of the week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I used to follow Alex Rodriguez on Facebook, and he would, like have the most cringy, like shit. He, he like such a such bad vibes, dude, on his Facebook account. <laughs> it's like a Rod's energy quote of the week, and it would be some bullshit from like I don't know, like fucking Gary Vaynerchuk or some bullshit. Oh my like, god! <laughs> anyway, enough about that. I think I think I think we settled it. We will take it. So yeah. All right, here's a name from mostly Bull N Y. Jiz Horncamp. Yes. Ugh. Well, okay. <laughs> if you're listening to this at work, uh, I mean, if you're hearing this, why are you working on a weekend? I'm so sorry for you. Uh, so NSFW, I suppose. Um, designated player contract. I mean, this is a young upcoming Dutch striker, right? I guess he has had a pretty good firing rate in the Eredivisie, 15 years ago this would be a kind of move that everybody in Europe would be falling over themselves to make right like I think, young uh, man from
1: Ajax the Ajax academy from the Azad Al Khmar academy
0: yeah now breaking through of Hirand and Den Bosch and I mean uh, you know I mean 20 goals and 35 appearances by the looks of it that is a pretty decent rate for the you know, I guess this would be kind of like the closest thing to a modern MLS signing that we'd make, right? Like a designated player contract for a 23-year-old who's uh, been solidly firing in goals and like the, the, the mid-table, right, of the Eredivisie. Um, it would probably be an equivalent to like a Klimala-type deal. I mean, I guess, you know, there is it would be a pretty interesting move i mean i guess i wouldn't say no to it but i will have to say no because i am definitely anti-horny police i'm definitely
1: anti-horny posting
0: <laughs> this, is a, I, this is
1: a Volcell cell podcast
0: yeah this is <laughs> sex is gross don't have it too many body fluids too many smells this is
1: why we kicked fernando off the show yeah <laughs> yeah having a daughter because we, what the fuck because he has a kid and we know what, what that what happens there
0: I mean, like, he, yeah, I mean, that's gross, man. I can't believe, I I can't believe you'd do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, body fluid and smells, that's a no-go for me. Uh, Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, like, in a vacuum, I take it. But because uh, we'd have to call the horny police, I'd have to say no. It's just Sorry. like, I
1: don't, I don't want to, like, just to know how we team, how this team plays and how we want the strikers to be kind of all action. I just don't want like Steve Cangelosi to be like, like Jizz making his presence felt all over the field.
0: And it's a shot by Jiz. Honk, give you a horn camp! Sorry, it made him sound like Gilbert Gottfried there momentarily.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you talk about finishing, Steve. <laughs>
0: I tell you what, Steve. I haven't seen an ex- a finished out explosive since Debbie does Dallas, and Jizz is doing Dallas tonight, Steve. I tell you what. Now that now now this is a family show, Shep. Uh. He goes around the Horn Camp. Stop. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, so that's a pass for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's not. We're just not. Also, he's Dutch. Let's let's we're not going to Yeah, yeah.
0: We, we 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 do not acknowledge the existence of the Netherlands on this podcast. Rounding out this bit. Tyler Leo Stoltz. Millennial burnout icon Leo Stoltz. Yes. He's available for the league average. I say we take it, <laughs> but I feel like we'd be holding him hostage at that point, right? Because he kind of yeah, hates I, soccer. I,
1: I, I don't even know. Well, I mean, he I don't think he wants to play professionally. I uh, I by chance uh, looked him up. I found him on LinkedIn, and he looks. He works for some like sports marketing agency and like strategy and business development. Like, okay, he went he went to grad school. He got his <sighs> master's in science and like some like fake business school degree and he's living in like switzerland now um and he (laughs) i know i only know that he still plays soccer because he like his his company has like a like a -a five-a-side team that he plays on and i've so like i can upload uh his highlights if you want like leo stoltz uh goals and skills despacito 2021 (laughs) welcome to uh nukatal shamaksh uh, futsal. Right. So he doesn't have to play for the Red Bulls, but uh me and the guys are uh are going to play in a five I think in a seven-a-side league. Uh so if he wants to play in that, if he wants to come over to the United States and play for our team, he's more than welcome to.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean uh, I would be uh I would be uh, you know, it'd be funny like if you were like a RBNY freestyle like guy. <laughs> 'cause you're on the boulevard doing like hippie uppies and shit. But I don't <laughs> know. He seems like he's a lot happier nowadays, right? So who am I to infringe on a guy's happiness? If he doesn't want to be here, you know? So, you know, I mean maybe a reasonable deal I suppose, but you know, I mean like I'm not gonna infringe on the guy's uh vibes. He definitely It'd seems be like funny he's if, like
1: if like we just sold his uh we gave away his discovery rights to like a team that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs>
0: So Chivas USA
1: basically. Like Chivas, U- when did when did Chivas go away? 2014, <laughs> 2014 right? And we didn't draft yeah. him until we didn't draft well, him. Well, we actually the year drafted afterward. him
0: the year after. So you know, it's yeah. uh, it's not it's not exactly implausible. We could we could trade his rights to NYCFC, who will not exist once they move to Las Vegas. Inshallah, yes. Alhamdulillah, it will happen. <laughs> we will um, bury. We will we will boil them soon. Yeah, we will boil them soon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they'll literally be boiling in the fucking desert, so you know. I mean, I think yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think uh, that drowns it out for this bit. So I think a recap of the names that we did end up signing. Uh, just let me go through and uh, let me pull this out a bit because I accidentally closed the tab. I should not have done that. So I think we all agreed, like, we signed the following players on a designated player contract. We signed Giuseppe Barresi and. Uh, Yeah, we signed Giuseppe Giuseppe Barresi on a designated player contract. We got Jan Venegor Hesselink on TAM. We got Raul Mereles on TAM. We got Juan Pablo Engel on the league minimum. And that's it. So how did we do, folks? Let us know in the comments once you hear this episode. So... I think rounding out the episode, we do have a question in the mailbag. We'll do this one real fast. This also comes from Ed Ritter. Question on the strength of the Austrian Bundesliga, right? So he wants to ask, compare the level of the Austrian Bundesliga to MLS. Um, And, you know, I think like when you come to cross comparing leagues, like you also have to look at the relative strength of the teams within the league as well, right? So you're talking about the top of the Austrian Bundesliga. I mean, this is solidly UCL, you, Europa League levels, right? You have Salzburg going pretty deep in uh, the Europa League. Very much, I think, would probably Salzburg would probably be the best team in MLS if you had, did a one-for-one transfer of your budget over. But you also know that Salzburg run a, like a much bigger operating budget than basically the entirety of the rest of the Austrian Bundesliga, right? So I think you look at your traditional type, your traditional Titans such as like Rapid Vienna, I would think, right, stuff like that. Yep. Significantly lower budget, right? And these are guys who do not necessarily go as deep in the Europa League as you would otherwise. I would think that once you get down to like the bottom of the Austrian Bundesliga, you'll probably have most some most MLS teams probably at a higher a operating budget and be higher quality players as a result of that being brought in right i mean again it's a bit lazy to assume that there's a one for one correlation between spending and the quality of your squad but for as a general gist of things you know having a bigger operating budget does mean that you'll be able to attract the wider range of talent right the thing is that what we do that makes it a bit different is that despite having this wide range of talent, we are focusing in on a specific area because our claim is is that we can mold these players into something that exceeds the value that we paid for them, basically, right? So we're still producing the same t- tier of talent. It's just for a much reduced price because we're getting in earlier in the development cycle and having that happen here, and having that happen here. So a bit different. In that regard i will say that most teams do not have the resources to do that because they are just simply not capable of building global scouting databases and having state-of-the-art training facilities like red bull do all right one of those benefits of financial doping is basically being able to do shit like this as a simple reality of how the situation is in modern soccer right so mm-hmm. going back to what it means for the Austrian Bundesliga, you know, I think, um, yeah, I would probably say that the upper crust of the league probably better than MLS, but once you get to the, you know, I think mid table or like lower, um, lower, lower table, right, would probably be on par or lower quality than or even lower quality than MLS, right? If you just compare the average amount of resources that are available to the teams in that tier, compared to like what the average MLS team is doing. Right? I think it would probably... I would probably say, yeah, if you're like relegation fodder in the Austrian Bundesliga, you're probably going to be... not going to be much better than your average MLS side. I would think that you'd be able to take them. But I don't know. you have any thoughts to add on the matter? No, I think you
1: nailed it on the head there.
0: All right. Yeah, and I think that kind of rounds out the episode then.
1: So, yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed it. I guess, uh, I guess uh, the question is uh, uh how... W- <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, if you put New York City FC in uh, in Austrian Bundesliga, how would they fare?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it would probably... I mean, like, I think it'd probably be, like, mid-table... Lower mid table, maybe, because right now there aren't a great deal of good teams in MLS either, you right. know. And it has been pointed out that like the league's own budgetary restrictions kind of prevent cohesive sides from being built out, because you result in a very top-heavy team, right? Of a general lack of quality depth. So even though you're starting eleven on paper, we'll be able to take guys of this caliber, right? The context is different over the course of a whole season because your rotation guys aren't going to be as strong, you know. And I think this is where we MLS teams might lose out compared to European sides, right? Just simply because they can't build a cohesive 18, 23 of players, right? That they can call on to rotate in and out the squad. Season goes on.
1: Yeah, this is a. This, this sounds like a question for that Gerhard Struber could probably answer better than us. So. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the question, Ed. But uh, when we have when we have Gerhard on the show next week, I think we'll ask we'll we'll send your question on to him.
0: Well, yeah! Now that the lead's been blown, we did manage to corner Gerhard to ask him about his ambition goals for the team. His ambition goals goals about uh, him wanting to win all the duels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
1: sharp, like a knife, in this moment.
0: Yeah, I remember when that? I remember when we had good vibes about that?
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> seems like such That's a the long thing. it's
1: like uh, until like we don't we don't have a, we don't post uh, the all access videos unless we win now. So it's yeah. like like the, since like there was a long period between the last one and this one against Columbus.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, like it feels like different eras of the team. Basically, at this point, I. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh no, man. Like, I'm pretty black-pilled right now. I don't care. Like... <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, Chicago Fire, come to visit us. Um, I would say black-pilled, actually. I think that's being a bit unfair. But, you know, I mean, whatever happens for the rest of 2021 happens. So, you know, I just hope they get it right. You know, if I get to enjoy the team, play soccer, and have some beers. I'm okay with it. <laughs> All I can really ask for at this point. Anyway, like, uh, no matter what, I am a fan of the New York Red Bulls. I'm
1: so, a fan of the New York Red Bulls. Yes. On that
0: note, we are a fan of we are we are the fan of the New York Red Bulls. Yes. We are the
1: Metro fans TV of the New York. Red Bulls. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Uh,
0: What the fuck am I saying? I don't know anymore. Uh, On that note, MetrofanTV is saying, Peace. Thank you, Juan, for your time this evening. I am am losing my ability to form sentences, so it's a good time for me to end this episode. Kickoff is at hopefully 6 p.m. on Saturday evening against Chicago Fire. Will we be interrupted by rain again? Who knows? Find out this weekend on Dragon Ball Z. Metrofan TV saying peace. Good night. Bye-bye. Have fun. Good night. Bye.